Yeah, oh mate, I got the uh, I got the full rundown. He, he Did told you? me of his achievement. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he said he, he said, he... Oh, it's nice to uh, nice to finally meet you. Have I told you about the time that I finished Bond <laughs> with one controller? <laughs> All in one breath. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am Zach Jackson, joined by Adam Ryan. Oh, hello there. Nathan Hennessy. Hi, hi, hi. And James Wood. Howdy, gamers. Hey, what's going on? How are we all after a massive weekend of packs? Nathan, have you, can you see things now or is it all still black? Yeah, no, the clouds have parted. But I do have a touch of the old head cold, so I'm not sure if I've picked something up. I, I, I've smashed a, smashed a couple of ratties. They tell me I'm in the clear. Who knows? I feel like shit. It's been a bit of a trend the past few days. Mm. I'm sure I'm not the only one, or maybe I am. Look at you kicking on, though, mate. What an absolute trooper. Thank you. Yeah, so no, it was a good, uh, good weekend. Saw uh, all of you. Uh, met James in person for the first time. Met Adam in person for the first time, so... Uh, and saw some big, huge, massive, uh, well-played fans such as our Lord and Saviour, Buddy Watson, uh, King of the Leopard Shorts. And uh, who, else did we ha- who else did we hang out with? Oh, we saw a bit Big of- Ashley was there. Ashley, probably yeah. from Explosion Network and all the Explosion Network boys and Good Player 2 lads and the Checkpoint team. Met Chantel. Good old Chantel. She was a, she was a legend. Who else did we, did we uh, see? Anyway. Right. Cross, press if we, start. If, old Faithful. Press start. Saw the Old Faithful. <laughs> uh, the big KV was there. The big KS. Brought him out of Roville and oh, put him, in his, put him in, his, in his element. Anyway, it was great to see people and great to meet people. Um, shake some hands, kiss some babies. You know you know how it is. Um, on on KS, I, I just want to say I was really surprised that they gave KS his own panel. For finishing Portal Two with one controller, oh, he would, <laughs> like, they're, really, they're bringing really out the gold idea. material this year. What, he didn't they? Be, he will be so excited to to have that reference set on the podcast. What a <laughs> what a it's a, such an achievement. Absolutely well, filled the theater. Did he um? <laughs> did he tell you in person? Yeah, when we were having steaks, saying his mate. No, not not you. Oh, Mister Ryan. Well, I got yeah, treated oh, to mate, it. I got the uh, I got the full rundown. He you did? Did you? Yeah. His achievement. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he said, he, he said, he... Oh, it's nice to, uh, nice to finally meet you. Have I told you about the time that I finished Bond <laughs> with one controller? <laughs> all in good one man, breath. Good man. Speaking of, how good were those steak sandwiches? Nathan, you polished all yours off. Mate, I had no complaints. I walked out a very happy man. I told you, right from the chips to the sandwich, it was stunning. We're talking chips cooked to perfection. Like, this guy knows his oils. Salted yeah. just right. <laughs> That's a good man. Had scraped a bit of onion off the old sandwich. Bit of a shame that, but that's just me. Otherwise, close God to forbid 10 someone out of 10. puts onion on a steak sandwich. A Georgian yeah, man. How dare? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why? As if you wouldn't put onions on a steak sandwich. No, the joke is I just got a bitch belly. Ah, oh, fuck! I was. Oh. Yeah. 
Like, oh, it belonged. Like, it, it was, was the perfect sandwich. I had oh, to. Oh, Nathan, you, you, know. you can't be. Yeah, you can't be blamed for that. Jesus Christ. Uh, a big shout out to uh, Umbrella again. Lounge in Elstomick for supplying us with those delicious meaty treats. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Um, how was your PAX weekend, though, James? How was your travels down from South Australia? Lord Adelaide. Yeah, no, it was it was good. It was a fantastic weekend. Like getting to meet everybody was um, just a hugely cathartic experience after forming so many new relationships entirely through screens for the past two years. Um, getting to to hug people and just be around humans, uh, like other little weirdos just like myself. Uh, just a very nice experience. I feel like bonds were tightened. Oh yeah, and I don't mean the underpants. I mean like our bonds. Mm. Yes. Adam, how was how was your trip from across the Bass Strait? Mate, it was excellent. Um once I dried off from swimming the swimming the distance, it was uh it was good. No, it was like James said, it was it was good to actually put some faces to names after what, like over three years of, of writing mm. for Well Played. So no, it was it was excellent. And PAX itself was great, which we'll which we'll talk about shortly. But now overall, excellent, excellent weekend. Had a blast. And you, Nathan, you had a pretty short stay at PAX, uh, only oh, the one day. What do you mean, mate? I was just so excited that this year they decided to make PAX a one-day event. It was perfectly accommodating <laughs> to myself. They, they managed to fit a lot into that Friday. I, no, the Friday was pretty packed, so I'll give you that. Yeah, and no, I didn't make Alrighty. Didn't make Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I did, definitely didn't make Sunday here. Didn't make Sunday, but... Um, Pax couldn't handle my bloke energy on the third day. It was uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was too risen. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk. I guess let's talk Pax and let's talk what we played and what we loved. If, if there's anything that we didn't love, um, anyone want to kick things off with something that they loved about Pax? Maybe even not game related. Just Pax being back. Food. I don't know the people. The amount of goddamn board games, Zach. Good. I'm, glad I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kick off with something that you give zero shits about, uh, and talk about the the dedication put towards the the tabletop area. Obviously, this is my my first packs, as it being packs. I've done like the the good old EB Expo in years gone by, um, but it, what I how I understand it is that this was the the biggest showing of the tabletop area so far, and. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Like the amount of people just heading over there to sit down, rent a, a board game and play it was great. Um, the amount of still in development games coming from Australian designers was fantastic. Like I got to um, have a chat with the guys that made Kingless, um, which is great. They're a, a little um, a little Hobart studio down my way uh, and they were lovely, lovely guys. But yeah, the amount of prototyping that was being shown off was was really really encouraging so i i spent a lot of my time over in that area and was yeah blown away by the the talent on show and very very keen to see most of them probably hit kickstarter in the the next maybe 12 months what was the standout uh board game standout board game card game so i i bought a little card game uh, that was uh, again from a, a Hobart developer, a Hobart designer rather. Um, but the the overall standout was from Platypus Industries, a game called Drop Bears. Um, mm-hmm. That is, 
on its way out, I think early next year, maybe March or April. Um, it's similar to Nathan's probably played um, either Mansions of Madness or Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is mm-hmm. a, a game that you discover new tiles of a house as you move into them. So it's kind of a, a, a fog of war style situation, but on a tabletop, obviously. Um, and it's set in like a, an Australian forest. And as the name suggests, you'll be wandering around having a grand old time and then drop barrel, drop down and rip your fucking face off. Uh, so yeah, that, from the the mini designs to uh, the the gameplay, it looks like it's going to be a hell of a time. And I had a chat to the the lead designer of that, and he was super super passionate about it. So I'm very 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 keen to to put that on my table and get some mates over to give it a play. That was the standout for me, at least. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of drop bears, James, you played mm. Broken Roads, or you? I I watched you. Um, we did. You and I had a, a nice little like the Friday morning that I together. Am. Um, yeah. We did. And uh, so, yeah, so we were lucky enough, I think one of very few, maybe like two or three uh, sessions that where we got to go hands-on with Broken Roads, which is the uh, Australian-made game from the Torquay team, um, Drop Bear Bites. Uh, and if you don't remember, it's the CRPG, I think is probably the correct term to call it that. Uh, yeah, set in the post-apocalyptic outback uh yeah we got to go well james went hands-on for about 20 minutes or so uh and we, we got to have a little bit of a chat with the i think it was the narrative lead or the like the narrative designer um or something to do with the narrative and the game director i'm pretty sure uh he was so uh what did you make of that and this was actually off off location so we were you know sent these directions and had to walk to this off location very, very top, top secret stuff. Very top secret stuff. Yes. Um, no, it was, it was good. Um, that thing is shaping up very, very nicely. Um, the massive change that I noticed at least from the last time when this was at PAX, which was what 2019, you know, before in the before times, um, like the, the art direction and the, the kind of like general, um, richness of it. It, it, it looks incredible now. Um, it looks very Australian. It, it, it has a good sense of place to its world. Um, gameplay wise, it was a pretty limited hands-on demo. So, um, there was, there was a fair few features that they're still, um, ironing out the kinks on and whatnot. So, but what we can, I guess, talk about is the, the quality of the writing was, was pretty solid. Um, you know, it starts off with a, well, at least our, ours started off, you did like a little sort of uh, morality quiz that defines sort of where you land on their very complicated morality system compass uh, that I'm still tr- trying to wrap my head around a little bit. Um, but it seems to be broken up into like pragmatism, uh, nihilism, two others that I, I don't don't quite yeah, I remember. I can't remember either. Uh, Meshalavian or something like that. I can't remember. Mac- the Machiavellian? Machiavellian. Um, Machiavellian. Yes, but, uh, and, and look, <laughs> it sounds like something you get at like a bakery. It does. Um, it sounds good though. Um, <laughs> Zach and I being the people that we were, um, our, our choices in that demo, demo definitely leaned into the Machiavellian and the, the chaotic, um, <laughs> which was, you know, it, it's exciting to see a game that sort of lets you just be a bit of a, um, a, a C word. 
Uh, yeah, we go. I got there. It's fine. I fixed it. Um, <laughs> no, it was, it was good. You know, you, we had this option where we found a, uh, a woman and her kid, uh, or sort of like teenage son on the road with the dad, uh, shot in the middle of the road and the kid's there with a gun and you can like, you can try to talk him down. Uh, you've got some party members with you that could also try to interact with him and get him to calm down. Uh, we didn't. And so to prevent him from killing himself, I shot him in the leg, um, which one of my party members was like, well, that was pragmatic of you. Um, it's just, you know, nice little, little moving parts. Um, there was a small town that we got to experience as well, uh, where we were tasked to deal with a, a shitty bounty hunter that had basically set himself up in the town. Um, and I immediately initiated combat because why wouldn't we, um, combat from what we saw still, still pretty limited. They're still working on it. Um, but you know, isometric fallout-esque kind of stuff going on. Um, it's, it's shaping up quite well i came away from that a little hands-on very positive on it mm. so the dialogue options they are governed by i guess your play style or your character style or whatever you want to call it so um in some conversations there'll be i think he i think the character the director referred to them as like major decisions or, or something along those mm. lines whereas um so there might be like a major opposite of what we're doing like you know like we're going down the the chaotic route there might be like a peaceful choice but we can't do it because our traits are all in like the other section but he did say that um just because your traits are on the chaotic side doesn't mean that you can't actually choose other options like like you know you're not just just all that so there are lighter it's like i don't know how to explain it but it's like a diagram and there's like an outer circle with an inner circle. This is kind of how he kind of explained it. And the inner circle is the stuff that you can uh, choose. And then the outer stuff, which is probably like more major uh, dialogue uh, decisions you can't, you can't make. So yeah. there were some choices where like, yeah, where we could choose against the traits that we'd probably leaned into. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But know, yeah. I think he described it as, yeah. you know, the, the idea that, in video games, often when we play these types of characters, like the Renegade and the Par Paragon and that, that kind of general dichotomy, that um, video games often lock you into being one specific type of person, when in reality, the way we are as people is we are always capable of making different choices. Um, and so given that they've got a mechanic that still lets you at least pretend that you could possibly be a good guy in this world, while obviously being a bit of a shithead, um, is is good. It's very human. Mm. And he, he also... because. Uh, we asked him uh, if you start on like all down the bottom, you know, all the chaos, can you make enough decisions during the game to actually end up like your traits are on the top? And he was like, yeah, you can. Mm. So your whole character can change their tune. Um, but no, it was, it was cool. Yeah. Like the art style was, was uh, beautiful and the writing was uh, great. It was great. Combat's probably not really my thing. That's where it probably loses me personally uh, in the mm. combat, but the rest of it is, yeah, very cool. Nice. Um, you all, James, will have a preview up on the website uh, at some point, so locked him into that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, check that out when it goes live. Uh, Nathan, what was uh, something that you played on the Friday that you enjoyed? Mm, so something I played on the Friday that I enjoyed was Noodle Samurai. So this was a sort of a top-down time attack type game where you played a, I want to say, 
monkey samurai type of creature. There'd be these platforms and you would throw a kind of like a hook shot or a grappling hook between these sort of zones that are floating, I guess, in the sky. Like you can fall off the edge of these zones. It'll send you back to the start of the level. So the goal is try and fling yourself uh, across the chasms, make your way around these little land masses, all the while uh, chopping up bipedal like vegetables and tofu and little uh, chicken eggs that are jumping around and that because you're going to then use these to cook up a dish for the master of the level. So basically, yeah, you'll fling yourself around, chop up a few tofu, and then you will finish the level by delivering these to the pot with the master at the end. Uh, so the, the basic concept of it is not nothing to be too surprised or wowed about, but just getting hands-on with this felt quite satisfying just the momentum of shooting across these chasms with a kind of you don't just stop when you land on the other landmass like the, the momentum will fling you around so you got to be very quick on your toes of trying to catch where the next location is that you want to fling yourself to otherwise it, you will just get flung off the map uh, so i had a nice bit of fun with that i think as someone that likes games like uh, hotline miami this kind of scratched a similar itch of uh, very low investment. If you die straight back to the start, you haven't missed a beat, and they're very bite-sized little levels to rush through as quick as you can. So that was really neat. Nice. And that's um, what platforms is that? Ooh, so I played on PC, and I couldn't tell you beyond that. I think most of these games are pretty much PC by default, and then Switch is probably the most probably common one after that. That's correct, uh, correct. Adam, what did uh, what did you <clears throat> excuse me? What did you enjoy at PAX? What's one game that tickled your pickle? I I spent a lot of time over with the the New Zealand devs in their in their little squared away area because they had probably the the densest population of games that I was interested in. The the top being a game called Taroa, um, which if anyone's played Journey, it would feel very familiar. It's kind of a relaxing adventure game i suppose where you play as an, an albatross that's flying through this very warm toned like dreamscape environment and it's very much based on um maori legends and folklore so you're being accompanied by a wind god and a whole bunch of different animals um doing just pretty basic uh little quests to to help them out and it's got kind of a, an environmental message to it um, but the the short demo, which was only about maybe 10 minutes long, gives you a good idea of the the, fl the flying, which has a great momentum to it. Um, when you're flying normally, gravity's kind of pulling you back down and you need to constantly be trying to, to keep yourself in the air. But once you get on these uh, like tunnels of air that you can ride through, you just glide and it's very effortless. Um, so the yeah, the momentum that that brings, Felt really good, uh, and the game is really, really gorgeous and very tranquil. All of the the music that accompanies it is, again, kind of very dreamlike. So very, very interested in that, being a, a fan of Journey and more relaxing adventure games that maybe don't have a great deal of effort required. But yeah, I, I had an absolute blast with that one, and it was one that every time I walked past, I, I always had an eye on. And the, the devs that were there having a chat about it were super, super passionate about um, the, the Maori influences as well. So, yeah, very, very, very keen to, to see more from that. Nice. Did anyone else play, check that out? 
No. Uh, probably one of the games I enjoyed the most is actually from the New Zealand section as well. I think three of the four of us played it at the very least. I don't know about Nathan. And that's Blackheart. Uh, and this is by Hyperreal, which is, uh, again, New Zealand dev team. I think there's four people there. Only one dev uh, made the trip over. But um, from looking at this game, it's not a game that um, I think screams that it's my kind of thing. Um, but actually playing it, it, I thought it was actually re- really good. And it made me want to eventually play Hades. Uh, which I've never touched. But uh, yeah, so this is inspired by Hades and Hyperlight Drifter. It is a, uh, it's called Blackheart, which I think I just said. Uh, it's a single player 2D uh, dark fantasy action RPG centered around the Royal Blackheart family and the internal conflicts that are consuming them from in the inside out. There's not really much else going, uh, the, sorry, there's not much more info about it online. Uh, and my memory is a little bit hazy with all the sort of details about the story and whatnot. But essentially, it's like a little top-down isometric kind of game, like in the, the Hades style with a beautiful art style, very smooth and slick uh, animations. Gameplay, probably a little bit simple, but it does... I think there is like an upgrade system in there. But uh, what we sort of got treated to was very much like a, a build to try and get investors, uh, which is pretty much what... The, the dev was telling us is that um, I'm just reading on, on their site that they actually they were awarded uh, 40,000 New Zealand dollars so about $15 Australian um, to make this game no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding but um, yeah they're looking for a publisher so uh, that was half of their goal was you know was to show off the game at PAX to you know to the punters and then the, the other half was to try and generate some some publisher interest. So that's definitely one that I would recommend keeping an eye on it. I think, I want to say they said 2024 for the release date, but I might have, yeah. Um, I think he said they were aiming for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I don't know if that's contingent on publisher funding or not. Um, yeah, no, like it's very cool. Uh, they don't have a trailer or a Steam page yet. They are waiting for a very slick trailer to be made uh, before they launch the Steam page. So I think he said like early next year they'll they'll try and push a trailer and a Steam page out, but definitely one worth keeping an eye on. I think that uh, was Jordan, one that there was – sorry, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, there's, there were a lot of um, a lot of demos that were a bit more proof of concept and that was definitely one of them. Um, but you definitely get a – you definitely got a really good feel for what they were aiming for with, with their demo. Um, and there were lots of – lots of things like the abilities that you use and um, cause you use the right stick to, to aim and, and shoot these fireballs. Um, but cause you're playing on a controller, they've done it. So it has just a slight little bit of lock on. So there's, there's already mechanics there that I find engaging. So for, for it to be at such an early stage and for those things to be so, so prevalent is yeah, it's very, very, uh, very good. I enjoyed it a lot. James, you had a bit of a play on that one. What did you? I did. Um, yeah, I just want to echo exactly what Adam said. Like that, um, that combat on the stick mechanic. Because I remember, like, when I read that tutorial, it was like, you know, press the stick to fire off a fireball. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but you know, <laughs> actually playing it um, feels really good. It, it is shockingly simple. Um, really good, like little dash around the world. Um, I like the it's character. And it's smooth, isn't it? Like it's. It is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the animations are real good. Uh, mm-hmm. for something that's still very early on. Yeah, 
definitely. A lot of intrigue there. Yeah. Uh, PC, I think he said consoles, but didn't want to give any info until they, yeah, I guess, got, got some money. Uh, all right, the floor the floor is open. James, I know there's a game that you want to talk about. Um, I mean, there are several, um, but I, I so assume we're, we're, we're talking about my little boat game. My little You are talking about your little boat game? Oh, yes. <laughs> I hope this is what I think yes. it is. Uh, so Dredge um, is, I, I was blown away by this thing. Yeah. Uh, Black Salt Games. Um, Again, New is, Zealand? Uh, I want to say yeah. yes. Yeah, you know, yeah New Zealand. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are correct. Um, yeah. So we're looking at Nintendo Switch and Steam for this one apparently. Uh, yes, we do love our Kiwis, don't we? Um, basically seems to be like a little fishing sim game set in a Cthulhu world. Uh, so it's vaguely top-down, a um, bit of a sort of Dishonored-esque art style going on. Uh, you just control the boat. Um, you get sent out into, um, you, you start from like your central island and there are a bunch of other like hub islands, it, it seems like. Uh, time progresses only if you're moving the, the boat. So you can stop and fish and sort of spend as much time as you want it during the daytime when the sun is up because that's all hunky-dory. Uh, the, the sort of a catch being that if you are out after dark, you have a panic meter that starts building up, which is represented by a little eye at the top. Um, and if that eye starts, you know, swiveling around doing crazy shit and you, your, your guy, your fisherman starts panicking, the, it increases the chance of running into spooky supernatural shit. Um, so that's the basic premise. Uh, you do a bunch of fishing, you bring those fish back, you sell them to, it seems like the, the town is basically just like a, a menu. Um, like there's no, you know, exploration outside of the boat. Um, but you can interact with like the fishmonger. There's a, a mechanic lady who can like upgrade your boat. Um, and then you set out again and, and start over. Um, this stood out to me because it, it is impossibly hard to create ambience in a pax hole, you know, between the lights and the sounds and the, just the general like awareness of other people around you. Like I put headphones on for this thing and I lost myself for 10 minutes. Like it was just immaculate vibes. Um, very impressed uh, so far. And I think like maybe the biggest headline thing is that it has Resident Evil 4's uh, inventory system. Um, so when you catch fish and you pull, sh uh, you can like push it up from the ocean floor and whatnot, you have to spin it around and make it work in uh, on a little like boat shaped uh, box thing. It is, it's very cool. Did So I, sp I was speaking with, I don't know who it was, I want to say Paul James from Player 2 and I was like, oh yeah, no, I stayed out way past the curfew in the boat and like I didn't really see anything go down. He was saying that he, the fish he was starting to, to catch were like mutated or something. Oh, okay. That's cool. There are certain fish that uh, I think you can catch everything during the day, but the, mm. the likelihood of catching the like mutated or um, yeah, like Cthulhu like creatures yeah. is very, very slim, but the later you stay out, um, the more readily available they are. And obviously they fetch a better price as well. So there's, um, yeah. like a risk reward element to it exactly and they also said that like you can finish this whole thing by just playing in the daytime like they, yeah, they, they've stated cool. stated like hey if you just want like a fun cool fishing game just play the daytime like you you will finish the story you'll get it done uh which is like a, a wild thing for a horror game to give you the option to just have a fun time and ignore <laughs> the, sp the spooky stuff if you want um but yeah just on, on the fishing uh spots you, your boat or whatever has to be a certain level, I think, to because I know that I went to a few different spots and I couldn't actually like fish depths. there. 
Yeah, I think you need yeah, certain so you, equipment to. Yeah. Yeah, so that so that sort of plays into that mechanic, uh, and like the upgrades. Now, very cool. That's coming next year as well, isn't it? Twenty twenty three. Yes. I think. Yeah, that, that seems yeah. pretty far along. There is a, a full demo. The demo that we played on the show floor is actually on Steam right now. So I oh, would cool. highly recommend everyone go check it out. Oh yes, nice. will do. Um, four is open for anyone who wants to jump in and talk about any other game. Nathan, did you play anything else on the Friday? Actually, hang on, let's uh, quickly quickly talk for a, a very brief moment about HTC Vive. Now, we won't <laughs> go through the whole spiel that, that, that the guy gave us, but Nathan and Adam and Mark and uh, Nathan's partner played a like a two-minute round of a Vive thing. It look, it look, it looked like you were having fun. And we absolutely were, or at least we were having fun with the potential. I don't know yeah. what we played. Like what we played, two minutes was enough. So I guess just to give you a bit of a, a background on what we we're doing here. So we got to test out uh, HTC's new uh, commercial grade headset, which has wireless tracking and doesn't require for there to be like sensors set up. So this is pretty revolutionary in terms of the VR tech space and it's going to dramatically cut down on what you need to keep with you now of course uh, similar things are happening with the MetaQuest but this is now like Vive level equipment being able to do this so this is pretty impressive what that meant for us is we got stuck in this uh, I guess four player death match with a shield and a gun which we could either dual wield shields dual wield guns or interchange between uh, and then we're standing in this square space. Uh, I guess it's what it was probably like five meters by five meters. It was fairly intimate, so we weren't going to be running around in this space. And then when we put the headsets on, it's it's uh, populating this space with like walls and obstacles and barriers, as well as giving us some like on, like tactical information about like where spawns are. So then all four of us would then sort of race around, sort of skirting between these little barriers to try and spot one another and plug a few shots in racking up kills uh now i'll have to ask adam how he did it because he won by far in a landslide so adam what was the trick mate how, how did you succeed um to be honest it was because mark was looking in the other direction for most of the uh most of the play time um but no it's stand uh, behind him <laughs> just shot him in the head as he spawned no it's just utilizing the, i think because and we were having a chat to the the vive rep afterwards and he said something that he notices every time they, they show off this tech is that people are very trepidatious at first and they're kind of sticking to their little corner, not moving around much. And then as the time goes on, and like you said, we're only in there for, for like two minutes, um, 30 seconds in, a minute in, people are moving around and they're utilizing the space and they're more confident in moving uh, in both the virtual space and I suppose in the physical space as well. Um so yeah, I was just out on the hunt. I wasn't waiting for for people to to come to me. I was I was getting in there and and hunting you guys down. But no, is it's uh like it's more or less a little a tech demo. But it was it was impressive and something that um I was having a chat to your partner about Nathan is I I usually get a little bit queasy in certain games, especially when there's movement involved. Um, absolutely none of that in in this. Um, it's it's a, a a pretty big thing to just whack a headset on in the middle of an expo and start moving around um, and to, to not be hampered by that at all. So it's, yeah, hats off to the the tech that they've 
that they've uh, they've got going at the moment because it's yeah it's it's pretty impressive head to toe whether I'd use it for you know e- education and military and whatnot I don't know but yeah like commercial the, the purposes <laughs> commercial yes. yeah commercial purposes I I you know we're a, we're a game site I don't really give a shit about much of that but from from what we played it was yeah genuinely quite impressive it it did open up the very near future potential for collaborative. Not well, collaborative play, I guess, is what we're interested in with these VR headsets. The fact that you just whack these four headsets on and, and they're in the same space, we haven't had that previously, at least not wirelessly. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, like the whole thing was kind of a little bit, I don't say boring, but not kind of what we were there for. Um, but some of the tech that they got going on is actually is pretty impressive. Like, even the mat that he was talking about, like, just and the way that the headsets are designed to so you don't run into one another. Yeah, it's all, all very cool. But anyway, let's let's pivot back to the actual the video games. Nathan, you were about to share another one of your games. Yeah, so there's not too much more that I could talk about that stuck out to me. Um, what I would perhaps maybe throw to the floor is, did anyone go hands-on with the... It was like a city builder, civilization type game that looked like Age of Empires 1. So the one of the New Zealand um, place. Is that, is that it, before we leave? No, no. But that, that that was something that I was interested in as well. Um, I want to know about Dark Web Streamer. Mm, James is your person. Yeah, I am. Uh, this thing is so strange to me. Um, it looks strange. It, it, yeah, so if anyone out there has played, um, I think it was World of Horror, uh, was a game that came out, I want to say, probably two years ago at this point, maybe. Um, but you've essentially got a... Um, a purely like it's like a fake computer setup where you are a streamer on the dark web um and you are essentially vying to become number one on whatever platform they've got going on there and you do this by you know scouring the dark web for like more fucked up content for you to bring to to your viewers and so you get shipped uh, you get stuff mailed to your like home and then you get like a little text prompts been like oh like a your box has arrived and you find a bunch of worms in there and they've got teeth, you know, like, you know, horror shit. Um, it's, um, it's definitely intriguing. I, I had a really good chat with the, um, the developer of the game. Uh, she seems to be just like a, a one woman unit, like powering this thing, um, like art writing, uh, coding it. Um, it's, it's an impressive, uh, thing that she's put together here. There's a lot of psychology going into it. Um, she seems to be keenly aware of sort of the the content grind, uh, the the masks that we put on for for the shit that we create on the internet. Um, and I think talking about that stuff and interpreting it through a horror lens um, is is very exciting. Yeah, they. Um, I think that Chantel, I think, is her name. She reached out a while back and. Um, Said, oh, you know, we've got got this game. We would love for you to check it out, but yeah, haven't been able to see it until uh, PAX because mm. they, they actually didn't have anything to share. But uh, I don't know that you uh, and KS both loved it. KS, I think, well, at the time, that was his. Well, maybe like three o'clock during on the Saturday, that was his favorite thing that he'd played. Oh, um, nice. Cool. Uh, I don't know that Chantel, our mm. Chantel, our uh, Chantel, she actually, yeah, she got in there. She. Uh, she enjoyed it too. Um, so, yeah, no, Keen, I was, I, I did want to check it out, but uh, yeah, didn't get a chance to sit down and, and drive. 
Mm, same boat. No, that that was a booth that really stood out to me early on. So I was pleased to hear that the impressions look good. Yeah, it's interesting. It's also just nice to see someone like decorate their booth a bit. Like they they really My went goodness, above and beyond. They had these stood little, out. like. Yeah. Uh, was a Blair Witch like twig thing set up. Um, I was actually chatting with her on the Sunday. She got the lights turned off at her booth so that she could try to create more of an atmosphere while people were playing it. Love that. Love that. Just real real commitment to the bit. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Uh, Adam, anything you want to, anything else you want to share? What? I I don't think we've been back to New Zealand enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to take us back across the pond. Um, Under the tavern was another, Another one that I played, which is a little four-player dungeon crawler that's set um, underneath a fantasy pub. So or you tavern. and or a tavern. A um, tavern if I you didn't will. want to say tavern again because yeah. Anyway, set underneath a tavern. Go on. <laughs> Fuck off, Nathan. Um, so they had two characters. One, one was her. Thank you. One was like a a speedy stealth character. The other was a a big tank with a, a, a fantasy equivalent of like a flamethrower more or less. Um, so it's, it's pretty standard fare as far as dungeon crawling goes, but it just had just bucket loads of character. Like everything was very beer themed. Like the, the chests were normal chests, but they um, open like a can. So they click <laughs> and then, then open backwards. Um, and then right at the end of the the level, you fight the boss, which is this giant, uh, like falling apart suit of armor with a big beer gut and a beer helmet on, and you face him in a game of beer, like giant beer pong. That's the boss fight. So it, it's it's still early doors, but it just had a lot of character, and the actual dungeon crawling gameplay was a lot of fun. But I think the the charm of it will will definitely carry it. But yeah, it's again, it was another one that I walked past a dozen times and it kept standing out and then when i played it it didn't disappoint it looked and played really well and yeah very keen to to play more so the old uh new zealand devs they're they're drawing me in i think i might book a ticket head over please do um before we move on adam i just want to say you um you had a can of passiona while you were here I did, mate. You literally held me down and and force fed it to me, uh, just How on that it? couch behind you, mate. It was delicious. Went down a treat. Amazing. All right. Um, I just want to get the a uh, couple of blokey games out of the way for uh, just for James, because <laughs> I know that um, I you know yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you no, were. Uh, no, so two games that I quite enjoyed um, that you know really were up my alley. Uh, gave off my vibes. Um, was one was called <laughs> Repeller Fella, which I, we've we've covered on the on the on the website before. Um, this looks fun, like uh, not fun, not fun as in like I don't know how to, different kind of fun. Like um, it looks like a South like an Australian South Park video game, kind of. If it was a point and click style, uh, it's made by devs called Misadventurous. Uh, because I think like pretty much one guy or there might be like one or two guys. Uh, it's a spiritual successor to a Flash series called Ray, which is apparently pretty popular, but it's set in a future post-apocalyptic Australia. It tells the story of three main characters as they work towards a better life. <clears throat> How they reach that life is up to you. But So basically this demo uh, started off and it's um, 
a war uh, our character is a war veteran who now runs a like pest control company um and the very first scene is you going to this like drive not drive through but like, takeaway place getting some food uh, and then another war veteran approaches you and you can either um give him some money uh you can give him a beer i think because you get because you get two beers and something there was another option or you can put him back to sleep was one of the options uh, and both me and ks chose put him to sleep and you actually smash him over the head with one of the beers so um that's you know that's that's the kind of game that it is and then you have like this flashback of when you're in um in like one of the wars which might be world war uh sorry which might be the vietnam war i can't tell i couldn't quite tell if it was a real yeah. war or a or a fictional war but it was yeah, it anyway, very much in the same vein as the vietnam yeah. war yeah um yeah and then you're like here in this uh tunnel sort of underground and yeah it's it's all very brutal uh very graphic but has a very strong australian tone to it uh and i think visually it's 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 pretty cool i'm not normally a massive south park person like i haven't watched south park in fucking 10 plus years uh and even now i don't find like south park overly funny um but yeah this 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 was good and then the other one uh again another sort of cartoon style was called box night uh sorry and just quickly repel fell is coming at the end of this year on steam uh and our very own ash whaling is actually voice acting in that game he does two characters um so no bias here uh the other game we did was box night uh which is who was that done by things we made or something the people we made games or something um we made a thing studios is what they're called and um yeah so this is like a little don't say piss take, but like a, a comedic spin on a corporate office where you play as a uh, office worker who basically combines uh, weapons out of like cardboard boxes and you know, makes cardboard swords and tackles office workers that have turned into like creatures. And the idea of this game is that you are there to preserve and guarantee the Friday night good times. Um, you heal by... <laughs> smashing beers um it's very fun it's, it's a they uh it's two are they animators is that what they said but like yes. actual animators so they're actual yep. animators like uh that make like this the whole idea for this was actually to be an animation show um and that's why it's got like this cartoon like aesthetic that looks like it like it is a show um but then yeah then they they were on they're also they also work on film or in film uh, and they were on a set or something like that, and these people made like these cardboard night helmet things, and they started having, you know, having a bit of a bit of banter, a uh, bit of you know Friday fun times, and uh, they were like, you know, we've got to make a game out of this. But it's it's very cool. Again, like animations and and uh, the, the art style is all very smooth and and cool. I know that James didn't love it. Um, in, like its style and whatnot but adam you um you enjoyed it yeah i i very much got around it and it's a like a little action roguelike so it's kind of up my alley gameplay wise as well but the 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 developers just kind of as they were talking about it got me more and more into it because they were saying the these little creatures they're all kind of like little goblin ugly looking little bastards um and they were as they were appearing they kind of gave their traits and the guy was like yeah we all know 
we all know this kind of goblin. They're the ones that say they hate their work, but they're there for the gossip or the, you know, they'll talk about you around the water cooler and stuff. And it just, it's got, it's got a lot of character to it. And the gameplay from, you know, the small sip, snippet that Zach and I played, um, I can see a lot of potential in kind of down the track because we were only playing very basic stuff, but yeah. And the animation's great. The, the character is digitally um, animated, but all of the enemies are classically animated. So it's a, it's a cool little combination of style. So yeah, very much looking forward to, to seeing it. Kind of, kind of reminds me of Big Mouth. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I get that. Mm. Uh, cool. Anybody else want to share any other games? There's a couple more that I'll, I'll talk about, but the floor is free for the next few minutes. I've got one more on. very, very quickly, which is Schrodinger's yeah. Cat Burglar. Um, it's the first time that the the devs had actually shown this one off. It's just a little puzzle game, um, but you play as a cat that can split itself between theoretical and literal, hence the Schrodinger side of it. Um, and yeah, you use that to complete these little puzzles. It's kind of... I mean, it's, it's very portal-ish. You're kind of in a, a testing facility and you're going through different different challenges. But yeah, the way that they're playing around with theoretical and literal, like some of the, the cat that's theoretical can pick up a mug and then the, the physical cat will have that mug. So you kind of have to play around with your, your perception of reality to, to, to figure out the puzzles. But yeah, it was, again, still early doors, but it, it looked very, very good. And you play as a cat, so I mean, there's got to be a, a certain amount of goodwill with that. Cool. What um, what platforms? Uh, just PC for now, but they were saying they were another one that they were hunting for a publisher, and they obviously would like to be on um, all platforms, but PC at the moment. Cool. Uh, one more that I'll quickly talk about because I see James is, looks like he's looking through some stuff, but another game that we play, actually, I didn't play. Again, I, I watched. Uh, but KS played, was called The Lifetime, which is a roguelike speed, yeah, I guess like, like a roguelike speedrun kind of game, but had an incredible art style. Uh, and yeah, like the idea is that um, time is like a commodity in a way, and the, uh, the quicker you finish a level, the more time you carry over to the next level. So the idea is that you, that you complete levels fast as possible, so then you can take as much time with you in, into the next level uh that is being made by someone uh can i get a can i get a fact check on uh, on yep. that one please um but no it's got like a i don't even know like what he'd even describe the world um but i'll lamp, i'll read the little light. blurb uh sorry lamplight yeah 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 lamplight's the studio because their other game is orchid of redemption which is I was going to say, but uh, the lifetime combines flowing and super that super precise puzzle platforming with disruptive adventure game and Metroidvania elements. Um, yeah, no, very cool. Um, is there? A, there might be a demo on Steam. Maybe not. Maybe that was not the games. Not just yet. It's it's on its yeah, way right. though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it looks very cool. James, any games? Any other games you want to give a shout out to? Um, I am surprised that you didn't bring this up earlier, actually, but, uh, Conscript, uh, looks fantastic. Um, mm. that is a, uh, what is it? World War One, uh, Resident Evil-esque kind of, um, you know, vaguely top-down-ish, uh, horror experience. Like a pixel art? 
Yeah, um, it's it's a very interesting pixel art as well. There's obviously a fair bit of digital trickery going on because um, some of those particle effects looked incredible. Um, but we're talking, you know, survival elements in here, um, you know, basic Resident Evil sort of uh, tropes and whatnot. Um, I have not had a chance to go hands-on with it yet because every time I tried to play it at PAX, it was just packed. Um, was, but... Yeah. Yeah, but from a distance, this thing looks incredible. There is a demo up on Steam, I believe, as well. Um, so I will definitely be putting hands on that at some point because, um, again, immaculate vibes. Mm. Yeah. So we actually uh, covered that for Made in Australia. That was, that was our first uh, podcast episode. with. Uh, so that's it's basically made by one guy, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Mocky, I think it's Catchweight Studio. They did a Kickstarter. Yeah, they got a lot of good... Uh, good feedback. I know that he, again, also looking for a publisher, but also not. Um, I, yes. I've heard good things for them, possibly, which would be cool. Very nice. Um, but one game I was hoping that you would bring up because you played it more than I did and I wanted to, like I was, I did want to play more of it, was Flad Circus. Mm, yes, that was... Um, that was actually quietly impressive. Yeah, so point and click um, horror game basically about a uh, the 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 Vlad Circus was a, a circus in some year uh, that uh, that that burnt down. Um, uh, seems like a few people died, uh, quite a few injuries. Uh, we smash forward into the future, also in some year, um, and the uh, clown from the the circus has essentially summoned all of the old uh, like uh, freak show gangs back together um, to, to meet at the mansion. Um, it's very surreal. It feels very dreamlike. Um, everyone is, you know, not aged when they show up. They're all back in their costumes again. Uh, the clown that you play as is already back in his like weird um, costume himself. Um, really good vibes. Uh, decent puzzle solving from the small experience that we had. We got, we got a, a good chunk of hands on time with that thing. Um, you know, point and click, find your way around a house, figure out why the lights aren't working, get the elevator to move again, pretty standard stuff. Um, but written pretty well, uh, sounds really good, looks really good. Um, I'm very excited to check it out as a full release. Nice. The only, the other game I want to ask you very quickly, give us like one to two minutes max, uh, Mars first logistics. Cause there's a lot of hype, I guess, like around this game. Well, not hype, yes. but like people, like, like people are excited. Well, you hyped uh, me and Adam up on it by being like, "Oh, it's it's like Death Stranding." Um, you can blame blame Game Jealous for that. <laughs> but, yeah, blame blame the press release. Um, but no, look, I I could see the Death Strandingisms in it once I I finally got to spend some time with it. Um, but this is a like a physics based um drone building kind of thing. Uh, you've essentially got uh you know points that are pretty far away on um on Mars. Um, and you've got a little like uh, buggy thing that you can control and you've essentially, it's like, oh, you know, bring the watering can over here and, you know, um, put it, like use it to, to water whatever, you know, the, the trick being obviously that everything is operating on, you know, quote unquote real physics. And so, uh, because you've got a very limited, like little hook arm to use and whatnot, it gets very tricky and very funny pretty quickly. Um, you can upgrade your module. Uh, there seems to be a, a fair amount of, um, uh, mechanical depth going on there and this thing looks uh very similar to that uh french art style that uh, i cannot recall right now sable? but if anybody played yeah uh sable the the game that played came out 
semi recently, I, I believe. I know time means nothing to me anymore for game releases. Um, but if, if you've seen Sable, it has a very sort of like um, immediately recognizable, um, you know, no really hard, no hard lines, uh, nice bright colors, um, art direction going on. And this seems to be doing a, a very similar thing. Cool. 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 All right. We shall move on from PAX. Actually, did anyone have anything that they didn't like? I know there's one thing that Adam and I were underwhelmed by, but I don't want to kick, you know, kick, kick devs after packs but um i guess on behalf of adam and i who's uh, now turned his head away uh hollow heroes um is the the wombat combat game which Mm -hmm. which we sort of talked about uh again still early doors so not gonna not gonna smash them too hard but i think yeah they need to maybe scale back would would be my advice and you know why they would even listen to me i don't know but just maybe pull back and and sort of focus on trying to make it not as big um because yeah like that that, like that game looks very pretty uh like now uh mechanically it's it just needs work but uh i do wish the best for them because it's a very cool idea very uh, cool idea um yeah, they're anybody. a very passionate bunch um yeah you know, like when, when we're, we're all kind of standing around having a bit of a chat and whatnot and you can tell that like they they very much give a shit about what they're making and that, that's really mm-hmm. wonderful to see um but I, I do agree it just needs it just needs some real refinement yeah well, i think when you are telling people at pax that you want this to be a smaller scale animal flavored god of war um you know when it's your first well, game. According to according to James, they're aiming for a six out of five or seven out of ten. Look, 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 look. We can't. We, we don't, don't need. To, we don't need to get into this right now. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't wait but, until the wombat pats her son on the shoulder. But we also <laughs> found out though that the reason why it wasn't called Wombat Combat or whatever is because there's actually a film called Combat Wombat or whatever it is called, and they basically got a. A cease and desist when they weren't even using it. Does you and I were spewing Zach that that's that they they didn't call it that because it seemed like a, a low hanging fruit, but apparently the fruit mm. was hanging a little too low. Apparently. All right. Anybody else play anything that they were like, mm, no, nah, move on. But I know one thing, or even possibly even two things that uh, were underwhelming. Uh, Nathan, you've uh, played a couple of games for review. Mm-hmm. that you want to talk about so let it out okay gotta hype myself up for these couple <sighs> all right okay let's talk do because this is the older one of the two so we'll start old then we'll get we'll work to something a bit more contemporary so the do field chronicle's been out for a while uh i got to preview it or went uh through the demo there a month or two back i won't repeat too much of what i said there just to summarise, though, between the preview and this, uh, I want to say that the demo was fairly representative of the game that we got, or in so much as there's not a whole lot more to the game than what the demo offers. Uh, so very strong recommendation there to play the demo if you've been interested in this and have yet not given it a go. The save file does transfer. But some of the criticisms of my preview still hold up here, namely that there wasn't much in the way of plot uh, the plot is you're on the island of Diofield. There is a war on the continent next door. They're in a bit of a stalemate. Someone needs a leg up with military power. Diofield has these magical crystals called Jade. 
the Empire's going to wander over, get some of those crystals and give themselves the little bit of extra leg up that they need. You uh, are following around a bunch of mercenaries called the uh, the Blue Foxes, I believe, and they basically just play cops for hire, going around the continent, cleaning up riffraff, stomping out any democratic rebellions, and uh, just being fairly reprehensible, as mercenaries would probably mean to do but we're also spending a lot of time with these characters in a kind of fire emblem three houses-esque social hub where you can talk to these characters they just give you text dumps that are kind of incomplete uh, dialogues that often just end in vague questions with no answers or context the voice acting was okay you know just a very bunch of well-spoken sort of attempts at you know, the, the whole fine British accents, but there's really no range here. There's no emotion. They just deliver the lines. The gameplay itself was not too bad in terms of it is a strategy game with a controller, which could always be a bit wobbly. And it is sometimes wobbly. As you uh, issue commands to your squad, your squad of four units in a sort of top-down fashion, the game will pause momentarily, allowing you to plot out it might be some directions or an attack order. Usually this is all done with a contextual uh, button press for all of the above. So it actually handles quite well on a controller because of the fact that every time you go to press something, the game pauses for a moment to let you get your bearings. That's really neat. So you're not feeling the stress of the time ticking down, but rather the opposite. You spend most of your time in this pause state, preparing yourself for the next few seconds ahead. As a result, most levels generally take about six to eight minutes real time. You're pausing the combat in between ever so frequently. Uh, so that pads that out a little bit. But, you know, the missions still end up sub-15 minutes, and that's quite nice. So they're tight, small-scale battles. Uh, the strategy system that they use with the pause, it's something that we've seen in sort of CRPGs of old, with like kind of like Fallout and Baldur's Gate, but it's, it works really well here. The AI, unfortunately, it's really clumsy, struggles with pathfinding, so you might lay out or plot out even a single line and expect them to figure out that it's A to B. And they might stop halfway, get confused, pick a completely different plot around. This also applies to the enemies. If there's an object between you and them, sometimes they might just stop and you can just attack them from afar. They won't figure out what the shorter route to you is, so they'll just stop. As I mentioned, the voice acting, while it's fine, there are sound bites, clips used throughout to aggressively repetitive degrees. Every time you kill a soldier from the Empire Nation, which will be an enemy that you face more in the second half of the game, with no, no plot significance, they're just coming over and you're just told to fuck them off. Uh, every time you kill one, they will go, for the Empire, and you'll be killing hundreds of these guys to a shout of, for the Empire, every time, very grating. Um, so there's no personality in the cast. The stories really amounts to nothing. It, it kind of a bit like Final Fantasy Origins. The story crops up in the in like the last five ten minutes. Everything up until then was sequel building. Uh, it, there's really almost no point to this game except laying the groundwork for a sequel. So it was a bit disappointing. It took me thirty hours to effectively do everything. I can't see why I'd recommend this to anyone unless they played the demo, really liked what they saw happy with the fact that they're going to be stretching out the same three levels they played amongst the same three mission types they played for the next 25 hours. It's very repetitive. But as I mentioned, the small-scale battles are quite fun. They're very tactical. 
and they are laid out quite nicely on the controller. So all in all, I actually felt kind of positive about it and gave it a six. So it's a lot of missed potential, a lot of small gripes, but there's definitely solid groundwork there for a sequel. Uh, it just doesn't really meet any of its ambitions in this first title other than just getting the gameplay core right. So, shall we move on from that or do we have any questions on Dio Field? It's kind of done and dusted now. It's about... came out late September. But let's move on to something a little more contemporary. Also Square Enix. Also a little bit underwhelming. This is Valkyrie Elysium. So this is from the Square Enix produced Valkyrie Profile series, which I think has been dormant for the better part of a decade, if not longer. And I think this is meant to be like the fifth entry in a long dormant uh, series. So the developer here, I believe, is Solier or Soli. Uh, these folks have developed, I believe, uh, IP tie-in hack and slash games in the past. I think one of their previous ones might have been a Samurai Jack game. Uh, so the, And it kind of... It's a bit obvious. So this game, the best way I could describe this is this feels like the mid-2000 uh, blockbuster tie-in action games that we used to get with like the early superhero games and things like that. Um, you know, the old X-Men Origins, Wolverines, and, and before, you know, back when blockbuster tie-ins were a huge thing. This feels very much like that. So it's got at its core, it's got a functionally fine, if not, you know, it... it it's a bare bones but functional and it looks pretty combat system of hacking and slashing. Um, and it, but it could have worked in any other game. It, it didn't need to be this. There's, no, there's nothing that ties the gameplay to this. The plot of it is very quickly. Uh, you play Valkyrie who awakes from a dream to find Odin is in a weakened state in Valhalla. Ragnarok has occurred. He tells her to go to uh, Midgard, go harvest a bunch of gifts. Uh, which are, they don't even have an in-game animated icon or anything. They're just blue dots that exist in the world. Go harvest a bunch of these, bring them back to him. He will get powerful and he will make things right and bring on the new world is effectively the plot here. Uh, along the way, we meet a, diff, uh, a, 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 a wayward Valkyrie and uh, Fafnir. So obviously they play a kind of uh, antagonist role. And that is about as much as the story has going for it. There's very little much more in the way of dialogue. There's almost no cutscenes. The opening cutscene is just a, a stilled couple of images. Very, very low rent production. Uh, the game itself is quite ugly. It's, it has a very washed out, it's flat, it's textureless. It all looks gray and green. I'm not sure why. It appears like there's a filter that's been put over it in a similar fashion to Babylon's Fall. There's a nice kind of penciled outline to the characters and the environment, which kind of gives it just a slight bit of stylization, which makes the flat textures look far less nauseating than they do. Uh, all up, this does still look like a PS3 game. Uh, even then, it would be pretty, you know, AA or B tier for that. Um, just off the top there, but uh, there are some support characters that you can get, which add a bit of combat depth. So they'll have like different elements which can be used to exploit enemy elemental weaknesses it's nothing we haven't seen before but it's a gimmick that this game needed because otherwise you're mashing the same few combos uh, rinse and repeat across i think about nine different enemies for the entire game the game also comprises of i think four levels so you've got about nine enemies four levels it's a 15 hour game you're going to be seeing a lot of the same shit over and over again the levels are also really small um, it's just that every time you get into a combat encounter, it closes off the arena. 
So you end up walking a few meters, you're in combat, you clear it, you walk a few meters, you're in combat again, you clear it. So there's a lot of obstacles between A and B. The, the world itself is incredibly small. The side missions are terrible. They just drop you into those same four levels and go uh, a variation of either uh, kill a series of monsters between A and B or run to point B and then kill a series of monsters or run to B and pick up an item and then kill a bunch of monsters. And again, they're the same monsters you've been fighting for the previous 15 hours. Similar to Dio Field, the best part of this is the demo. The demo is the first hour of the game. It's giving you access to pretty much all of the support characters, all of the abilities. And then at the end of the demo, she goes, it was all a dream. And then you wake up to find all of your power stripped from you. So then you're spending the next 13 hours actually building up the ability to play a, a halfway competent action game. So it's incredibly boring until you actually start to get some of those abilities back. This is, as I say, this is something that would have been at home during the blockbuster tie-ins of the you know late thousands, uh, PS2, PS3 era. Here, it's a real odd one. Uh, it's not deserving of the Valkyrie name. The story is utterly forgettable. You know, basically what I've summed it up as there's there's a, a twist at the end which you'll see coming from like hour five. So it doesn't doesn't I, I don't understand why this exists or why anyone would want to play it and I think the my my least favorite part of it is the camera every time you're in a fight it's always up the ass of the enemy or in the wall so even you can't even enjoy what would be otherwise flashy decent combat all in all this is a 4.5 out of 10 so she's a bit of a stinker yeah missed opportunity this one especially for a premium square enix 90 dollar title Mm. No love. That's very disappointing. It is very disappointing. So I'm just hanging out for the uh, Valkyrie Profile Lenith remake now to try and rinse that bad taste out because there's nothing here that give me any kind of enthusiasm or interest in the Valkyrie series. I'm just going to pretend that it's not associated because the game doesn't make any links from what I could tell in any way. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. Um... Bargain bin. Yeah, right. All right. Well, if you want to read those riveting reviews. Um, sorry, that actually said that sounded very mean. <laughs> I told you, man, I had to pump myself up because yeah, it's, they're, they're not riveting. That's the point. <gasps> I didn't mean that. I meant the, of those bad games, not of your Hey, yeah, we reviews. know what you meant. Sorry. Um, you can go to the website and check them out there. Uh, speaking of riveting reviews, Ash has reviewed Overwatch 2. Uh, the reviews are up on the website. Uh his little summary reads like this. With a revitalized gameplay experience and tighter combat, the actual moment-to-moment gameplay of Overwatch has never been better. Let's hope the monetization strategy relaxes a little. 8 out of 10. Uh, you can read the review on the website now. James, I played, did you... I, just quickly on Overwatch, yeah. I played a tickle last night and it's definitely, it's definitely Overwatch. Like, the game is not a great deal different, but... The 5v5 makes the game far a far nicer experience. It's a, a bit less chaotic and feels a bit more deliberate. So that's a plus, but it's definitely just Overwatch with a couple of new characters. Back to Fortnite then? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's That's probably where I'm going to be headed. Uh, so, James, you got to preview very briefly Wild Heart, Wild Hearts, huh? 
Wild Hearts. Yes, this is a uh, Koei Tecmo EA Originals have teamed up to essentially stake their claim on the Monster Hunter um, genre, let, let's say. Um, this has come by way of Omega Force, is the developer inside Koei Tecmo that's doing this. They have actually previously worked on a Monster Hunter-esque series, which I cannot pronounce for the life of me. I think it's... Uh, Tukidin. Oh, Tukidin. Yeah. 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 There we go. We got there. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, seems like they've been working on this thing for about four years now. So this has been a, a long time in the oven um, and it has come out looking pretty impressive from, from the hands-on time that I was able to get with this thing. Um, so I've played about, uh, I don't know, three or four hours of it before uh, PAX kicked in. It was very unfortunate timing. Um, but from what I can I can tell so far, uh, it seems like you are a um, an animal boar hunter in a like a, a slightly fictionalized, fantasized um, uh, Japan. Uh, it's the land of uh, Azuma. Um you will be hunting instead of dragons and the like. Instead, you've essentially got um, real life animals that have been corrupted by uh, raw natural forces. And so think, you know, giant rats with like, you know, giant branches growing out of their skin that are covered in like big blooming berries and stuff. It's it's a striking art style. I encourage everyone to go and jump on that trailer as soon as they can, because to to see this thing in motion, I, I think is is one of its best selling points. Um, what it seems like they are trying to do here to separate themselves from Monster Hunter is one that this is a much faster game. Um, like for, for me and a lot of people like me, I would imagine Monster Hunter is, is a very appealing concept. Uh, then the actual moment to moment gameplay can be a little bit, uh, not slow, but, but a little bit, maybe a little bit too deliberate, let's say. Um, yeah, uh, what it seems like Wild Hearts is doing is, is kind of scrapping all of that and giving you, um, I mean, it's that Koei Tecmo style of, of action, fast pace, you know, it feels very good to, to hit things very quickly. Um, so you combine that with what they are calling the, uh, Karakuri technology system, where uh, you've essentially got this um, armband thing where you are able to, uh, at, at in, in the blink of an eye, create structures uh, both inside and outside of combat. Um, this is also used for traversal. So you've got like your kind of Breath of the Wild-esque uh, like glider system. Um, you've got zip lines that you can set up around the world a la Death Stranding of all things is what it reminded me of in a very exciting way. Um, during combat, you can drop these like little boxes and build up a few of them in a row, quickly run up them, and then they springboard you into the air so you can launch, launch like, you know, heavy attacks onto enemies and whatnot. Um, and these systems are all kind of combining with the, uh, like relatively large scale open world they're going for here. They said there's four zones themed around different seasons of the year. Um, what we got hands on with was the spring zone. So it's the, the initial one that you get started in, um, Art direction, gameplay, vibes, it, it's all coming together to be quite interesting and a, a very bold claim onto a genre that, in my opinion at least, needs more people coming into it. You know, I've spent the better part of this year sort of talking about the Souls-like genre and how I'm excited whenever developers take a swing at it. Um, this is a huge swing from Koei Tecmo. Um, I am very impressed so far and I can't wait to check out more of it. Damn. Nice. Um... Cool. Uh, you can read James's preview up on the website for that one soon. Uh, another quick shout-outs. Uh, you can read. This, this is going back a few days now. Uh, but you can read, but we missed last week's episode, but you can read James, uh, Mark's 
review of the Tomorrow Children Phoenix edition. I won't go through it, but it's it's up there. Uh, I've got an interview for a Plague Tale Requiem, so shout-outs to me. Uh, <laughs> there was one more that I <laughs> fucking can't remember what it was. There's another. There's something else. Oh, no, sorry. Jordan has a uh, laptop review for the Asus uh, Republic of Gamers Flow Z13. Um, so laptops, you can, you can go and check that out if hardware is your jam. And Adam's also got a Gunbrella preview. Uh, so, oh, sorry, you got a preview for Gunbrella, so you can By check that out. By the time this goes live, I'll also have my review with um, Graeme Struthers up on the site oh, yes. as well, who is a, a co-founder at Devolver, which was a, uh, a really great you, chat. So definitely check that one out as well. What are you going to give him out of 10? Uh, well, I'm review. paid off by Devolver, so it's got to be got to be a ten, doesn't it? Good man. That's it. That's why we like it here. We like our money in paper bags. Uh, news. So biggest. Well, there's a fucking lot of news actually this week. So we'll try and. Uh, what's the quick? What's the quick ones? Quick ones. There's not really any quick ones, I guess. Uh. TwitchCon, I guess, um, the phone pit thing with <laughs> Adriana, is that her name? Adriana, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Chichik, is that how you say it? Let's go, let's go with that. Anyway, uh, she broke her back in two places, very, very sad to, to hear. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, from a health and safety uh, point there. But uh, if there's video up online and... Yeah, she goes to jump off this little platform in, into like a foam pit and yeah, it looks like she lands on her tailbone or something. Um, yeah, it's yeah, such a it. small jump as well. Like I, I remember uh-huh. the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, what? How, how did she break her back there? But like, damn, that, that thing must have been terribly constructed. Um, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Because I always thought that if you, bro- if you broke your back, you couldn't move, right? But she she kind of mm. crawled a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it's um, nasty. Yeah, so nasty, nasty stuff there. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I would have been in the same boat. I would have been one of the first ones up there. So although I chuckle, my back would be fuck yeah. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to reenact gladiators and get in there and beat the shit out of each that, other with a big foam tube? Like that foam pit didn't even look comfortable. No, it didn't. I mean, yeah. you're not going to know until you jump in and break your back. <laughs> well. That is very, that is very <laughs> so, true. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, I guess very, very quickly, uh, Dead Space, is that quick news? Do we want to talk about that? That's that's pretty quick, yeah. So Shut got, off a, got a like gameplay a, trailer. Yeah, got like a little brief gameplay trailer. Yep. Um, looks, looks like Dead very, Space. It looks like, looks like Dead, Dead Space. Space. It, it does look good. It does look very good. Uh, bring on more remakes, as we like to say here. Uh, <laughs> Need for Speed... <laughs> Need for Speed Unbound uh, is was revealed. So the new Need for Speed game coming December something rather December second is it? December second, yep. December second. Uh, first week of December's getting busy now, isn't it? Uh, it's got like a cell shaded um, anime kind of look to yep. it. Uh, what do we all think about that one? Any keen? I'm keen? ready. Yeah, it's been it's been a couple of years since we've had one, eh? I don't like that main key art though. That key art is. But ugly. Um, it's, uh, yeah. It just feels like we're back in like 2012. You know, it's yeah. um, 
Yeah. I do like Need for Speed though. So yeah. I'm quietly uh, excited for this one. I think it looks, I think it actually looks pretty cool. If you can get uh, past the aesthetic, which I think some people will bounce off of. I kind of like the uh, aesthetic. If, if mm, I'm going to be the. I do, but it's not for everyone. I'm going to be the outlier. Yeah. I bet it is. It, it'll be interesting to see how they, because they have really super realistic cars with, yeah, like that cell shaded comic book look effects around them. So it might be a little bit jarring at first. So yeah, I'm keen to see what they do with it. It'll be interesting. Does, does this not seem like they've overcompensated and gone the complete other direction to that need for speed reboot from like 2016, where it was like stylized, but FMV and very, very cringe. They've gone the whole hog in the other direction. Yeah, no, I'm keen. Five, I got a five or a six for that one. I actually didn't mind that game, but there's just the fact that your phone would not stop ringing. Correct. The entire fucking time. Um, yeah, speaking of like aesthetics and stuff like that, uh, very, very quickly to jump back to packs, but Adam and I played Street Fighter Six, uh, which, which has a new style. Just um, Adam, just for the listeners at home, can you just say who who won that battle? Uh, I believe you did, Zach. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Uh, what did you think of the the aesthetic on that one? I I really dig it. I think the the game looks fantastic, and it, it plays really well as well. Well, I don't play very well, but it plays very mm. well. Um, and Guile's flat top. Oh, Zach said that I th- uh, that he thinks I should be rocking that, and I can't I can't disagree with him. Um, you know what's very odd though. So I've got a key for the close beta. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but there's video <laughs> online, so sure. Um, we'll just be cancelled, whatever. But uh, there's no like um, couch co-op, not couch co-op, but like couch combat. No, couch battle. So, you, so even though the game that we played at PAX, you could play one player v two player, the beta is simply just online. It's right. like service stress testing. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very odd. Well, yeah, uh, that's fairly common with fighters now, isn't it? Like fighters. Yeah, but you think that surely you'd have the option at, at least because uh, we were going to play some on Friday night. Unfortunately, we didn't. But mm. Adam did check out uh, a little bit of Shredder's Revenge. We played a little bit of the Ninja Turtles collection and something else that we can't talk about. Did you just watch uh, John Wick? No. All, all we three of watch, them. We went no. to watch uh, Turtles, but Adam was a, a tired turtle and had to go to bed. Good um, call, Adam. Yeah, you, mate, you were still peak. <laughs> <laughs> you were still coming I was, strong. I was, I was cutting shapes. Speaking of films, uh, the Super Mario Bros. trailer was revealed. Can you read the full? It. Can you read the full title, please? What I've put in there. Mario is no longer Italian. Yeah. <laughs> they've uh, they've taken the Italian out of the Italian plumber. So I know we love a good uh, a good Anna take here. Uh, oh, she fuck. goes up. Oh. <laughs> Should have replaced goes, it with Scarlett Johansson. She goes, did you? She goes, oh, have, you, have you seen the the Super Mario trailer? I'm like, no. I'm like, have you? She goes, yeah. And I was like, what do you think? She's like, why the fuck is Chris Pat Mario? <laughs> <laughs> but she's not wrong, is she? Still relevant. Uh, you know what, though? So, the opening to that trailer with Bowser invading the little penguin kingdom is fucking, fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It is hey. very, very cool. 
I think the whole thing looks good. Mario looks a little bit off and I feel like he was, he was always going to given the translation to like protagonist in an animated film, I think is never going to be as seamless as we would want. Um, and the voice work, look, I would just say this, there is dubs for this trailer in, um, I think it was the French dub. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know if there's an Italian dub, but the French uh, dub for this film sounds phenomenal. Um, I would highly recommend everyone go watch the French trailer and then just watch this movie in French. Uh, that's, that's my take. Thanks, James. Um, (laughs) all right, cool. Probably the two biggest bits of news for the week. Maybe, I guess, uh, I guess the first one's not overly big because it's, you know, you would expect it, but Ragnarok has gone gold. So God of War, Ragnarok will, uh, unless they pull a cyberpunk, will definitely release on November 9. Uh, but yeah, speaking of cyberpunk, uh, City Project, they announced a roadmap um, for a lot of their games or basically for what they're doing uh, in its group strategy update. They announced a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077, uh, a new IP uh, and three new witcher games um mm, technically choices. they they announced like five witcher games quietly so yeah, kind I was of reading, uh, the, I was reading the, the the news piece by um the first one fuck yourself <laughs> Adam i understand Ryan. what you're doing yeah. but they the the first one that they announced was the start of a new trilogy so they the insinuation is that there are, are going to be more but yeah holy shit they just yeah, they put it all out there, didn't they? There's, there's a lot going on. I find this yeah. really confusing um, because, like, this is a development studio that has spent the better part of two years in the news cycle for, one, crunch culture, and two, launching a game that they were working on for, what, like eight years or something in a completely fucked state. Um, the idea then that you then come out and say, oh, we're working on 15 new games... I, I I do not understand what is happening here. Neither do I. I'm I'm with you. And yeah. I said I think I said to you, Adam, it's kind of a bit like Bethesda when they were like, Yeah, no, we're we're gonna do Fallout five. No, not Fallout five, sorry, Fallout six. Oh, 76. Whatever it is. No, 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 the new one. Like they've said they after they oh, do that's right. Elder they said, Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. After they do Elder Scrolls, which is still probably hasn't hasn't even hit production. No. Yeah. <laughs> Fallout six is next and you're like, that's gonna be like fifteen years away. Um so it's kind of like, I feel like this is similar to that. But yeah, I, s- I think, yeah. I suppose the upswing right is that quite a few things that they announced are not being worked on by the core City Project Red team. There's um, the Molasses Flood. Um, they're also opening a new studio in uh, Vancouver to work on the, the 2077 Um sequel and there's really? also another witcher game that's being worked on by an ec- completely external studio under the supervision of cd um they haven't said who that studio is um but yeah they it, it's not all in-house so luckily they're kind of spreading that out a little bit so not to say that they won't crunch because it's city project red and they're a bit shit that way so well you know yet to be seen but yeah, at least it's not just here's our roadmap for the next 20 years. We'll eventually get around to all of these things. At least they can yeah. all be worked on simultaneously. Um, and they did mention that they're moving away from, or they're moving into, I think they said somewhere, Unreal Engine 5. Um, 
and being that they're all going to be on the same engine that's a little less proprietary, it should make development a little bit quicker. Again, how long's a piece of string, but yeah. Mm, yeah. Looking on the, the optimistic side of things, maybe it won't be as much of a dumpster fire as it, as it looks. I wonder, um, I certainly hope so. How many devs will move to Unreal 5 and drop, you know, like making their own engine and stuff now? Just imagine, imagine if the creation engine just bit the dust. How fucking good would that be? <laughs> Bethesda Speaking just actually, fucking hell. A random fact that we heard at PAX um, is I didn't realize this, but Steam actually limit the amount of times you can have your game visible during all, you know, as part of the next fest. So you only, you, you only get a certain amount of times to actually be a part of that, which I found quite interesting. Like in subsequent years, do you mean, or? No, like that's it. So you get like five goes at it, for example, you know, you can have your game five times in the next fest. And then if you've used all five, you can't have it again. So one de- one developer that we spoke to, uh, they were like, yeah, like, cause I was like, oh, is, is this part of the Steam next fest? He's like, no, nah, we've only got one use left um so we're going to save it for when we like right before we launch so strange Mm. anyway there you go things you hear on the show floor eh? uh all right 90s film off topics is what i meant to say off topics we're going to go to that uh anybody got any off topics they want to share i feel Uh, like fortnite's still good (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is I've spent three nights trying to make my way through Blonde, the uh, Marilyn Monroe oh, film on Netflix. No, yeah. The film, that film just goes on and it on. It does. It is on. hours of misery. Um, I did not enjoy that film. Uh, cr- credit to Weezer Anadi Amar. I may have mispronounced her name. I think she does fine. You know, lots, like her, basically her entire role is scenery chewing and crying on demand you know um at least one of those things is pretty tough so you know entertaining to watch but the film itself is it her marathon i see i think she's fine in it uh so i don't think she's the problem i think it's everything around her yeah Uh, she does her absolute best with that script but um it is a it's a very strange portrayal of that woman's struggles um I don't know. It's very infantilizing. Um, and then she is forced yes. to play it as an infantilized woman and it just becomes very odd. It's uncomfortable too. Uh, yeah. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. Mm. Nice. Well, I finished the Dharma show on Netflix um, and then I also, also watched the documentary as well um, just recently. So I'm pretty uh, pretty Dharma'd out. For, ready to go for, as for, the for Halloween, mate? Uh, no, would definitely not be doing that. Uh, yeah. Did you rate the show? Uh, people seem mixed. Yeah, it was okay. I can't, I think, did I say this last time that, no, I think I might've said it to you maybe in person. No, maybe I said it to someone at work. Anyway, I kind of, and I don't want this to come across like the wrong way, but it kind of got boring. Um, yeah. When it. Not that it, when it didn't focus on him, but when it kind of, there were like large parts of episodes that kind of, I felt they just dragged a bit. And that's probably yeah. poor, that's probably poor form 
by me because it's obviously telling like the victim's side of the story um and you know that sort of stuff but yeah um i kind of wish they'd maybe tightened it up a little bit and shortened it up uh yeah Ryan Murphy is not much yeah. of a tighten it up creator. Um, I was, I was about to say, yeah. Uh, but I thought the documentary was also quite interesting. Um, and I'm curious to read up on the creative liberties, I guess, that they used in the show compared to the actual documentary. Because there's a couple of things I go, hmm, did that actually happen? Because that wasn't in the documentary. And that, I feel like that's a pretty integral part of the show that they made. So... Yeah. Anyway, that that was pretty much me. Oh, and I've been watching so watch two two episodes of the new Peaky Blinders finally, and it finally has let me watch it. Yeah. Ooh, it's, I'm just about to start. It's Peaky Blinders, but yeah, we'll talk more. Anything else? Anybody got anything else they want to share before we go to the, the real thing that everyone's been waiting for? The main event. Now nah, get in there, mate. What do you got for us? Well, who's James? You gonna do your uh, your theme music? My theme music. Oh, nineties film of the week. I love it. That's good. Speaking of, actually, just very quickly, Adam. Adam had the Holy Grail in his hands. I did. I got the I got the disc wallet. I felt it. Oh no! It's got a good weight to it, and there's still sleeves at the back for the. Ambitious. The expansion. Um, I do. I do like that you were like, "Why does this? Why is Alien vs Predator the first film in your disc wallet?" Then I, then I quickly asking realized, the right question. Quickly realized that it was alphabetized. That's it. So, so this then is what, why. Why is it in the question? Yeah, why is it in the collection? God damn! It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Anyway, the first one wasn't there though. So I mean, Alien vs Predator, yeah, the first taste. one. Yeah. Yeah, first one. I, I can fuck with the first one. Yeah. First yeah. one's all right. Second one's the, the prob- combination. The yeah. problem is though, is that um, I now can't buy any new DVDs because if I have to move all the discs mm. back on. <laughs> anyway, 90s film of the week. Uh, Twister. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think this is on Netflix, isn't it? It is. Very glad that you asked, uh, my good sir. It is on. No, hang on. Let me go back to the thing. It is on. Netflix, it is on Stan, it's on Binge, and it's on Foxtel Go if you're one of those people. Um, but the storyline here, uh, shout-outs to IMDb uh, for that if it loads. If it loads. Still loading. Okay. So TV with a man, Bill Harding, who I believe is Bill Paxton in the film, is trying to get his tornado hunter wife um so trying to use his hunter wife, Joe, to sign divorce papers so he can marry his girlfriend, Melissa. But Mother Nature, bloody Mother Nature, always getting in the way of, of things. Uh, in the form of a series of intense storms sweeping across Oklahoma, has other plans. Soon the three have joined the team of storm chasers as they attempt to insert a revolutionary measuring device into the heart of several extremely violent tornadoes. Well, there's their uh, problem. Stop chasing the fucking storm. Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, old mate Carrie Ells, Ooze, Ooze from, from Saw uh, and some other things, I guess. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's all I kind of recognise from this list. But, yeah, um, pretty cool film. Pretty cool film. 
it got 65, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, 63 or something. It's on the list. Do you have this one in the disc wallet? No, not in the the disc wallet, but I did watch it. uh, Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. It's not bad. Really interesting trajectory for this dude. So directed Speed, Twister, and then there's some, some shit in there. Equilibrium, Minority Report. The third Lara Croft film. I thought the Lara Croft was Spielberg. Yep. Maybe he produced it. No, nah, was that... Um... Oh, no, producer. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you now. Yep, cool. Okay. Um, And then The Paperboy in 2012 and then just nothing since. Like, he just stops. Yeah. Maybe he got caught quite in a twister. eclectic mix. Yeah, uh, strange dude. Well, there you go. That's our 90s film of the week. So, yeah, go check that out if you want to go on... Those streaming platforms. Very quick, last off-topic things that I want to talk about. I actually backed something on Kickstarter that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, I want to share it with, with you because I'm I'm excited. So hopefully you'll be excited. Uh, it is a book called Revolution, The Quest for Game Development Greatness. And it's the story of Revolution Software amidst the rise of the games mm-hmm. industry told by Tony Warner, one of its original founders. So uh, Revolution, uh, the developers of Broken Sword and Beneath the Steel Sky. Uh, so, yeah, cool. Uh, very keen to get that. I think the book's actually done. It's just about... Publishing. Uh, is there something like that? I did I did read it. It's not somewhere. But, yeah, the book's done. It's just about the, the rest of the stuff. Yeah, get the funding sent to the printers, etc. That's exciting. Hey, Adam, you, you backed anything on Kickstarter, old boy? He likes a bit of a kickstart now and then. Not yet. Not not lately, sorry. I've um I think the Great Wall was the last thing I, I got around and I spent like four hundred dollars on that. So I've tried to, to take my foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. What well, well the name Hey? Me? Yes. Yes, me, Nathan. Hello. What has Nathan kickstarted lately? Well, I haven't, but a name that should start to be recognized around the traps here is uh Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. It's got its uh, standalone sequel getting crowdfunded on GameFound at the moment. And the video game, I think, just had a 30-minute gameplay reel come out in the past week or so. So that's looking pretty interesting. Both getting around the Awakened Realms. Got to love it. Mm. Um, Nathan, for you, there's one uh, other book that's on Kickstarter at the moment that I'm thinking about backing. It's a, it's a Monkey Island book, All You Need to Know About the Saga. Uh, it's by third editions. They actually did a uh, book on a Plague Tale Requiem, which I bought or pre-ordered. Um, so yeah, I might uh, might dive into that one as well. Did you read said book? Or it hasn't arrived yet, the Plague Tale? No, no, it gets shipped when the game comes out. Okay, yep. But they, Interesting. They, I was telling Adam, but they have a fucking art book, but it's in French. It's no better time to jump on Babel, mate. Learn the language, get the book, have a good time. Do you kickstart hardcover paperback? Um, I'd depends on the book. Revolution. What? I think it was just hardcover, by the way. Oh, sorry, sorry. Kickstarter. Um, mate, hardback. Hardback, mate. Fuck off, mate. He's a bloke. What do you expect? No, no. None of this fucking paperback bullshit. No, this um, soft white belly. <laughs> all right. Um, let's kickstart People's Weekends and finish this podcast. 
Anyone got any other things they want to share? Any revolutions oh. they might have had over the weekend? No, but as you're listening to this, Ocean Alley's new album would have would have dropped. So Ooh. give that a listen because I'm sure it's fucking delicious. Very keen. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. Thank you for coming and saying hi if we saw you at PAX. Uh, thank you from seeing us from afar and go, yeah, those guys look pretty sweet in Well Played Passionate T-shirts. Uh, check out the content on the website, www.well-play.com.au. Go check out the Made in Australia podcast episode with Vivink Studios and Aluri. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll have some PAX stuff up. Uh, probably by now I would assume so yeah enjoy that and have a good weekend and we'll see you next time thank you for your patronage bye bye bye